man, what uh, what we got going on? Is, oh is, man, we got we got a compact little show here, but we got some good stuff to get into. First, what up, the ninja? What's up, dog? Ninja, dudes, dudes, feeling it. He's already throwing the fire, and I've already botched the shit out of this intro. We're off That's to a good start. It's all good. It's all good. I love it. You know what I mean? What's up, my dog? You know what I mean? Come on in. You know, everybody's probably talking Cowboys right now, but you know what? That Mavs basketball is right around the corner. They already played a couple of preseason games. You know what I'm saying? I'm getting excited about it. Right. We see what these boys are doing. We're getting excited about that. What they four and one had another big win at the Rams, getting ready for these Eagles, headed to the Eagles. We see Cooper Rush is uh, getting the nod again. We kind of understood that. I was cool with that anyway. I think a lot of us already knew it um so big things coming up to see what these cowboys gonna do and then like i said i am very excited we were, remember when we were talking about the mavs mm-hmm. we weren't frustrated but we were like mm, we were just kind of wondering what was really going on and we we're kind of wanted to see you know what i mean sure because we we're saying is it is it going is it going to be is it going to jump on from what we saw in the western conference finals and i'm gonna tell you right now dog i'm excited i don't care them two preseason games i don't give a hell if the preseason games we talked about two players in particular well i talked about one player you said one player and let's just jump on that Maz. we just go wherever it don't matter we just freestyling but let's talk okay. about Maz right now uh throw, yeah. throw some mess stuff to me right now because there's a guy that you was liking Mm-hmm. was both liking um josh green yep yeah uh so the latest on him the mavericks picked up his fourth year option so he's under contract the rest of this year and next year uh he's going to make about 4.765 million next year i think this year he's still like in the 2.7 range or 2.9 range something like that so the fact that they're picking up his option is a sign, a vote of confidence, if you will. And if you hear like Nico Harrison talk, Jason Kidd talk, some of the other veterans talk, it's very clear like they are buying in on uh, on Josh Green and his potential. I'm so, yeah, and that that's huge. I mean, especially when you have a coach who you know has has a knack for developing some of these young guys. The fact that he's kind of endorsing it, I, I think, says a lot. So. Like Nico, when he was, I think yesterday, he was on the the ticket talking with him. And he was talking about like, well, you know, we don't really need a third ball handler necessarily. Like it was great having it during the playoff run last year. Just the way that the deadline worked out, we were able to uh, acquire Spencer Dinwiddie, which gave us a third one. But we were rolling even before then. It's not like Dinwiddie got there and the team turned around those final 23 games. The team turned it around uh, before basically right at like late December, early January is when they turned it around. Dinwiddie didn't come in until middle of February. So they were already going and they worked well with that. They still have the two guard lineup, essentially the two ball handler lineup. But Nico Harrison specifically said, you know, we do have some other guys that we think are capable in small doses of that. And he, he pointed to uh, Frankie smokes, Nilakina. I, you want to say small doses. Okay, fine. Small right. doses. And uh, he specifically mentions Josh Green. And I think that's telling, too, because we have seen playmaking ability from Josh Green. It just kind of boils down to his confidence and his comfort. So the fact that you hear that he's taken a huge leap this offseason in terms of his comfort and his assertiveness on the floor, that says a lot. I need to see his confidence in outside shooting. There were times in the playoff run where he looked like he was a deer in headlights if he got the ball. And if he had to shoot a three, teams were just like, I'm going to stand in the middle of the paint. He's not going to hit anything. He had like one game with 14 points, I think. And everything else in the postseason was subpar at best in terms of his offensive production. So if he really has taken a step forward, that's huge. And they're clearly buying in. So uh, then picking up his fourth year option, that's nice. Mavs PR put out the note that for last season, he had a field goal percentage of 50.8%, which was the second highest percentage on the team with at least 100 field goal attempts that's nice a lot of what he gets is dunks and you know i get it he he's a three and d guy so he's gonna have to be able to spot up a little bit but it, it kind of is what it is i i like it i, I think he's got a, a potential x factor notion about him for this upcoming season i think he has potential to be a major building block like piece of this foundation moving forward and that's that's the thing uh, long term to look at. But right now, I think he's got potential to be a, a difference maker for them. And for that, it makes all the sense in the world to pick up his option. 
He reminds me. I like Josh Green. He reminds me he's that 6'5", 200 pounds. Yep. He's like that combo guard. He reminds me of a guy back in the day. Don't have that jump shot like him, but he reminds me of like a Byron Scott. Byron Scott was like the 6'4", yeah. 6'5", athletic, kind of big, you know, big guard. Could be physical, look like he could play some football too. You right. know what I mean? Byron yep. Scott was kind of built like that. When I see Josh Green, I, I, like, I like what he's bringing already. I like how he's worked on his game during the summer, um, and I feel like he could be a good defensive asset. Jason Kidd has really got that mindset of defense on that team now, and it's becoming a defensive team more and more. And uh, Josh Green can be a real addition to that, uh, especially because he's a combo, he's a tweener, and mm -hmm. he can you know he can play multiple positions. And if he can continue to get that jump shot together, um, he can definitely be a force down the line. Heading into the playoffs, because you're going to need a guy like that coming off the bench with that depth to give you some good quality minutes. We were trying to get those minutes in the playoffs last year, but he just wasn't ready for it. No. Didn't have the confidence, wasn't ready. Shot like 35% from three-point range. He just wasn't ready. But you saw, see the confidence growing. You see confidence uh, in the coaching staff and Jason Kidd. You see them kind of letting him do his thing, too. And I think that's helping him as well. So I'm excited, and I'm glad they re-signed him. I'm glad they picked up that option. And I think, you like you said he's going to be a building block um, down the line, um, especially with some other guys that they have on the team as well. The young guys coming up, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, he he fits the mold of what they want. He's got the he's got the wingspan. He's a guy that can be a defensive irritant. Even I don't know I don't know about a stopper, but he can definitely be a quality defender for you. And he's shown flashes of that. So you got a guy with kind of a, a deceptive athleticism, the sugar glider skill, uh, and a guy who can defend and be high energy that that's going to have a role on your team. If he can actually develop a, a quality outside shot, or maybe get better at slashing to the rim and taking advantage of his body control and athleticism, then yeah, he'll, he'll be able to step in and probably be eventually a starter. But right now he's going to be, I think a good piece off the bench and a guy that you can probably rely on for like 12 to 15 minutes a game, which certainly was not the case last year. Last year, you had to give him spot duty. You had to give him like developmental situational opportunities. And I think you're going to be able to get a good, your first real good glimpse of what he can be this year. So mm -hmm. it's a, it's a no brainer, but I, I still like seeing it all the same. They're not messing around like the previous front office did. They're like, okay, we're not going to mess around with this. We're going to lock them up. We're going to take one more year to evaluate them, but we like what we see and we're going to go ahead and, you know, dot our I's, cross our T's, all that. We're not repeating a Brunson situation, which right. to be fair, they, uh, in Hardy in that draft pick, they made a better contract where they actually had the option. It wasn't a fully guaranteed thing where he was going to be unrestricted at the end of four years, like they did with, uh, Jalen, which mm -hmm. still is mind boggling, but even still, uh, other maps news. So there was some confusion last week, initially talking with the media, Jason Kidd, and I sent you the thing on it because it baffled me to see it. Jason Kidd initially intimated, and it's not a misquote, it's not misinformation or fake news or anything like that. It is actually what Kidd said. I just think Kidd either misspoke or thought better of it after the fact. He intimated that they were going to be bringing Spencer Dinwiddie off the bench. He was going to be a guy who basically led that second unit, and people were like, well, wait a minute. I thought Christian Wood was your sixth man. You're hyping him up for it. He's actually excelling in this situation. Now, if you're bringing Spencer off the bench, you're going to have Spencer, if he's running the show for your second unit, he's going to be your sixth man. So are you further demoting Christian Wood? Like, even if you're going to try and give him a lot of that same feel, if, if you're not having Dinwiddie in the game prior to that, but you still want Dinwiddie to be a, hey, man, we want you to be aggressive and score. Well, if he's the sixth man he's going to be aggressive and like looking primarily for his shot. So are you relegating within that second unit wood to the second option? That's a baffling thing as we'll get into in a minute. Wood flashing off the bench for Dallas looks damn lethal. So it was a very confusing thing. And I, and I even said to you like, man, I kind of worry about the, the message that sends to wood because he wasn't thrilled to hear that he was going to be coming off the bench here. Like his initial reaction when they signed McGee and McGee's like, yeah, I'm the starting center. He was kind of like, uh, I, I, okay, I'd be fine with starting at power forward next to him. Like he was kind of like, hey, uh, don't completely rule it out. I'll, I'll move to the four primarily. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, nah, that's cool. But uh, we're going to bring you off the bench. He didn't love that, but he was like, okay, 
I'm going to trust in what you're saying. I'll, I'll do that. And I'm just going to do my job and try to try to win, try to help the team. However I can, I was worried that this message would then be like, yeah, we're going to actually lower your role even further. Thankfully that appears not to be the case because clarification from kid, I think yesterday or the day before, uh, said that no, no, no. Spencer Dinwiddie is a starter. However, he is going to also him and Luca are staggered. It's not like they come off the floor at the same time. When Luca goes out of the game and they'll be staggered in a way where it's not like Luca comes off the floor before Dinwiddie every game first. But the idea is that Dinwiddie is going to play off the ball starting. And then when Luca goes to the bench, Dinwiddie will run the second unit. So he's still going to be facilitating, but it's going to still have Christian Wood as your sixth man. Cause Dinwiddie will have already been in the game and already contributing like that. That makes more sense to me. Like that, that makes a lot more sense. And I think it is a good way to get Dinwiddie kind of acclimated in the game without having to run everything immediately through him. Letting him play off the ball from Luca, I think, uh, is a good opportunity to set that up and still lets him get some of his shots kind of get going a little bit before then turning it over to Wood, who I think is going to be stellar. So, yeah. Well, what do you, what do you think of that? We'll see. Um, you know, I had I thought about it for a while after you sent it to me. I've been thinking about it. I like him better with a second unit, honestly. And I think maybe he should. I know. I think you should still have Wood the way they're doing it with the sixth man or give mm-hmm. him the minutes. I think he is, uh, has understanding with Wood because he's getting a lot of minutes. If you looked at his minutes, his first two games, he's damn near the minutes that they're playing. Like even with Luke Christian playing. Wood. Yeah, Christian Wood, even with yeah. the minutes that he played in that game. He got quality minutes in that game off the bench. Yeah, early. I mean, 20, 22, a little over 22 minutes a game in preseason, but I don't think that's an accurate barometer. I'm not saying he's going to be 30 minutes necessarily, but I think he'll but he's going to like 25, 27, something like that. If he's getting hot, though, if he's getting hot like he was in that game um, in that uh, last game against Orlando um, yeah. and he's hitting those jump shots and he's going to play, it's going to be him, key with him and Luca playing that pick and roll because mm-hmm. he can chew the pop and pop and drop out there. So I think if he's getting hot out there, it's going to be hard to kind of take him out. And he's long and yeah. he can get he, he's got some s- s- slithery moves to the hole. So I, I'm, I'm going to gauge that. But the Dinwiddie thing is, are you cool with? Tim Hardaway being on the bench, or would you yes. be cool with Hardaway start? No, because I want Hardaway he, off the bench. You want but Hardaway ahead, off the ahead. bench? Yeah, but go ahead with your argument. Because see, here's the thing. Because with Dinwiddie, he just he's still inconsistent. He like he plays too much with that ball for me sometimes, and mm-hmm. I don't like that. And to me, it it kind of I don't, I don't think it's a good bounce off with Luca. That's just yeah. my opinion. I don't think it's a good bounce off because he over dribbles too much sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I see it in games. He'll dribble it too much. And Luca is more ball dominant. And I think it'll stagnate the offense because he tries to dribble too much. And mm-hmm. I feel like the reason why Hardaway, I would say that option, because he's going to be more the guy that's going to shoot that ball. He's When, when Luca's going to the hole, he's going to be looking for those guys that are out there on the perimeter hitting those shots. When Dinwiddie comes in the game, then you got him facilitating, giving it to the Christian Woods. Maybe you see the Hardy or the Josh Green. You see him facilitating more, and then he can be able to do more of his dribbling and getting to the hole, where I don't yeah. feel like it was stagnant the offense, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying about the over-dribbling thing. That has been a little bit of a problem with Dinwiddie. At least last year uh, with Dallas, that was a little bit of a problem. In previous stops and previous years, he was almost exclusively a spot-up three-point shooter. Um, So it's hard to kind of get a real accurate read on what he would be. The reason with Hardaway, I would say I want him off the bench. If you're talking about inconsistent, that's Hardaway, dude. He is the ultimate hot and cold streaky shooter. Uh, he'll either go lights out and put you over the top or he will dig a hole and keep digging, digging, digging. I think he makes more sense as a spot-up shooter off the bench. Hardaway can create a little bit for himself off the dribble. It's usually one or two dribbles and a pull-up, not a whole lot of going all the way to the basket. Uh, But again, I, I think with Dinwiddie, if you instigate him a little bit into or integrate him a little bit into the starting lineup, uh, let him get some of his shots and get working there a little bit, not having to shoulder the full burden of creating. Um, I, I think you can balance that better where the dynamic between him and Wood doesn't feel almost like it's like wrestling for control of like who's 
who's kind of like running or not who the offense is running through for that second unit. I think as much as possible, I want like I want Dinwiddie running the offense for the second unit, but I want Wood as like the the central point that they run through. Like I want him to be like the number one scoring option in those cases because I think the mismatches he creates are are so so advantageous for Dallas. Whereas Dinwiddie, like Dinwiddie's good. He's effective. Yes, he can be inconsistent, but I think you can get a better balance with him working with the starters and then saying like, okay, Luca's out. You're like, you're the second option scoring wise, but you're also now the facilitator. And uh, we're going to try and get wood cooking because the mismatches. Oh my God. The mismatches wood is going to create uh, mm -hmm. working against second units. Uh, speaking of which, so Christian wood in the preseason, we, we mentioned a little bit here so far through two games, obviously tiny sample size, both games coming off the bench. 19 and a half points on 60% shooting. That's 15 of 25 shooting five of 10 from three. So 50% seven and a half boards that doesn't grab you, but you know, it, it, the last game was really low. Like against Orlando it was only two boards. He had 13 against OKC. So yeah. And it's like in 22.3 minutes uh, per game. So he's getting his shots. <laughs> For, for not yeah. a lot of minutes, he's getting his looks, he's getting his shots, and he's cooking, and he's scoring at all levels. Like, he's he's knocking down threes, he's catching the alley-oop dunks, the putbacks, he's finishing up around the rim. He is doing all kinds of, you know, exactly what you would want. Offensively, he is the realized version of what Dallas hoped to get out of Kristaps Porzingis. He mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. And I... He's more athletic on top of that, obviously. So the the promise is there. The difference is they're not, at least yet, married to him in a long-term huge money contract where it's like, well, I guess you're a starter because we didn't pay you $158 million to come off the bench. And availability has not been a problem for him near as much, obviously, as it was for KP. Uh, so it's, it's a vastly different equation there. I think this role fits him perfect there there is some argument for him starting at certain scenarios depending on matchups or health of the team and stuff like that but i think coming off the bench you're basically taking your most mismatch creating versatile weapon outside of luca and running him against the other team's second units bigs who are not nearly as uh versatile in defending the perimeter and being able to you know slash the paint and all of that like he can take whatever you're giving him like okay you're gonna sag sag back in the lane he's gonna hit threes he'll hit a step back three on you oh you're gonna guard up tight he's gonna blow past you and dunk on your ass like it doesn't matter that's something that if you have that kind of weapon you have to utilize it to its maximum potential and i i think in this scenario they're best suited to do that well, see, this is what I love about Christian Wood, right? Ever since he came into the league with 2015, right? Anytime he's got significant minutes, he got pretty much no minutes in Philly, Charlotte, Milwaukee, right? No mm -hmm. minutes, no, nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, he went over to New Orleans, got a few little bit of ticks, went crazy. You're mm -hmm. like, okay, right? So then when he starts to get the significant minutes, right? When he was mm -hmm. in Detroit, when he has he played 62 games, right? He got significant minutes, 13 points a game, six rebounds. When he got minutes where you're like, okay, you're playing, you're starting, right? 21 and nine. Last year, 17 and 10. And that was in 68 games. The thing I'm seeing is every time he starts really cooking and you really let him get in games and really start letting him get work, he produces. And like you said, he can score on all levels. He can. He was hitting. He showed you all those levels in that mm -hmm. Orlando game. He was put going after the ball, getting putbacks. I think he had a putback dunk here too, where he got the rebounds right around the rim. Yep. Put it back. Um, he had those that one three where he came down right off on the break, hit it deep, and then he had to step back three. Boom. And then he's got a nice little turnaround where he can dip in and then pull it out. So he's got a lot of and, – and he's long. And like mm -hmm. you said, the thing that I like about him is what you wanted from KP, 
this is what you can get in Woods, and he's going to be available. You're not going to have to worry about seeing KP getting a 20, 21 point, 15 rebound, and you're salivating again, like, yeah, there we go. And then yep. he's got to sit out the next three games because he's hurt. Mm-hmm. We're feeling good about Christian Woods' availability because if you're going to be good, you got to be available to be on that floor. So he gives you all those options. And then when you add the JaVel McGee situation with that yep. length and that defense that they're going to add Dwight Powell because they have Powell and Wood together on that floor. And I like how they were uh, running those two in the set. And I also like how Kidd is giving Wood the freedom. He was giving him the freedom to be able to go ahead and get his shots. And I like that because when Wood starts getting in a, in a rhythm – He's really good. And then I've seen some of the comments, and just like you said, DDP, he may not be starting, but by the end of the games, he may be in there because you're going to be needing that, especially. And I want to say one thing. When you were talking about the pick and roll, I think we saw one, or we saw the oop when we uh, Luca and uh, JaVel McGee, we saw it already in that game. So I'm like, okay, yep. We're going to be seeing a lot of that because Luca's going to be setting that up. McGee is going to be right there because he's still hella athletic at 35. Woods going to be there. You got Powell now. I feel good that you got big men inside there, athletic big men. Now we can challenge teams, DDP. Now yeah. we can challenge teams. Yeah, I, I think so for sure. I mean, the the things that Luca really needs around him, they, they've been acquiring those. They've got guys that are effective three-point shooters, they're collecting guys on their roster that can defend well. Obviously, Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith. Uh, again, we talk about the the potential upside of Green and what we've seen in flashes of him defensively. Um, Hardy, he's another one of those guys that he's, he's really right now more of just an offensive potential mm, uh, defense. I don't, I don't see as much in that, but you know, there's there's a rule for everything. He can, you know, Brunson wasn't a great defender by any means. He was at best average. So uh, you can you can develop something similar in that where it's okay if you have, you know, one of your your guards, whether he's a, a backup or eventually works his way into starting, um, who can be one dimensional in terms of, you know, what side of the ball. So, yeah, it's having that and then having guys that can finish in the pick and roll because Dallas runs more pick and rolls than just about anybody. That's mm-hmm. huge. And it makes a lot of sense to have Dwight Powell for as maligned as he is and i get it but at the same time um he's always in like the top five percentile it seems like in pick and roll finishers Mm -hmm. and that's one of the best things he brings and it doesn't always stand out in box scores i get it and i get how in playoffs in like three playoff years he's been there his minutes are always low because they find they can't really play him like there is a very good argument for why he doesn't make a lot of sense for the team long term i get it but at least for what you got on the roster right now, your current but composition. Right now you love him, though, DDP. You feel and me? what you can get, yeah, exactly. with him and McGee and Wood. Yes. You got now all he's these better. Who can, yeah, all these guys who can finish pick and rolls with yes. you know, ferocity, guys who can actually be aggressive. And that sets up Luca. That gives him the, the weapons he needs that his skill set can best maximize to take advantage. So... I love what they're doing in the roster reconstruction. And I I think last year I said it before, it was kind of like a Frankenstein's monster um, of how they assembled that team. The fact that they went on that playoff run was tremendous, but it was also uh, unprecedented in the sense that like, it almost made sense. It it almost happened in spite of itself. The fact that they had no interior defense, the fact that they were getting killed on the boards, killed in points in the paint, and they basically just said, like, okay, we're acknowledging we're not going to win those categories, but we're going to blitz you and scramble like mad in these other areas just to keep you off guard. And then we're going to trust that offensively, you're not going to be able to figure us out. And not only did it work to beat Utah, it worked to beat Phoenix. And then it pushed the the Warriors. You know, it's like, I know that was a five-game series, but there was at least a couple more of those games that were there. You should have had game two. Um, that's a series that could have been six. I don't know if it would have gone seven, but it, it could have been six. Like you, you gave fits to teams. You were not a fluke, but you were not smoking mirrors, but you were almost defying the odds in a way that like conventional rosters that win titles that make deep playoff runs simply don't do. They're not built that way. And so to have tried to run it back and just say, Oh no, let's just run it back. And we got this, this works. 
no, I, I think that would have been a disaster. I, I don't think you can bank on that. What they're doing is a much more traditional, typical, straightforward thing. But I also think it's more sound, more fundamentally sound. And that is, I think, a smart investment that maybe in the regular season you don't see a huge payoff, but it's so much better built for a postseason run. Yeah, this team is definitely built for playoff. And I and the thing that's standing out to me, DDP, is the depth. That's mm -hmm. what I like about this team, the depth. They got a bench that you can go to. You don't have to feel like it's only one or two guys, and then guys are tired. Luca's playing all these extended minutes. Now you feel good that you got guys off the bench. And I want to talk about one player, and I know I know you're more cautious than me, DDP, and I'm cautious. Mm -hmm. Let me not lie and say I'm not cautious, but I know you're more like, Let's just chill and take this slow. And I know we saw it in the in the uh, Orlando game, where those are the games you can see with Hardy. He mm -hmm. was like two for ten. Um, I can't remember what he was on three point range, but it wasn't good. No. Um, and you're gonna see those games with him. I get it. And he started that game, if I'm not correct. He they started him in that game. I think so. Um, look it up. Yeah, they, yeah. He, they started him in that game, which I was kind of just excited. I like how kid just did it for maybe his confidence, maybe feel good. You're starting alongside Luca. He ain't gonna be doing that in the regular season, but he probably just want to make him feel a little good preseason game. Um, but I do. We saw what he did in the OKC, right? Sixteen. Yeah, he started twenty minutes against Orlando. Twenty minutes against Orlando. We saw what he did, went on went on fire in the OKC game in the fourth quarter, right? Yep. But the thing that I love about him, DDP, and I can't wait till he really gets acclimated to this NBA. He gives the the Mavericks a bona fide guy can get his own shot yeah when you look at the other guys on the team it's more built like lucas lucas the guy he's going to the hole he's either going to take it or he's going to dish it out to you and y'all got that three and it's more those forwards are all built kind of like that to be on that wing they're not really shot maker creators okay when you got a hardy because you had that in um brunson right mm -hmm. but you got a guy who's six four Brunson's not 6'4", and he's more longer than Brunson, and he can create his own shot. He continues to get acclimated to this NBA. That's yeah. going to be huge for the Mavericks to have another person that can create his own shot. He can shoot the three. He can get his own shot, and that's going to be great for Luka because Luka's going to be doing his thing. When he can get it to another guy can create his own shot, that's going to make that Mavericks uh, offense dynamic. Now, we're probably not going to see it for a while. We get it, and we understand it. But down the line, because Luca is young too, I'm telling you, dog, that what we were seeing in that Dennis Smith Jr., we was hoping that combo would breed great right there. We was like, ooh, you got two young guys, but it mm -hmm. wasn't fruition. The Hardy-Luca combination could come fruition. That's what could have been with the Dennis Smith Jr., which you were wanting the two young, because Hardy is what you want, because he can flow off Luca because he's got the jump shot. Yeah. Yeah, the, the potential is there. I, I think he just needs time. And the best thing going for him is that I think he has a coaching staff that will be more patient and work to better develop him. Carlisle's track record with developing guys wasn't great. Again, the two big exceptions are the guys still here, Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi Kleba. But in general, if you look at his track record, he didn't develop a lot of guys. And he destroyed a lot of promising young players, frankly. Dennis Smith among them. And uh, that's that's a shame. So I'm, I'm glad for Hardy's sake that he's going to have the opportunities and the patience, especially Josh Green. Maverick fans have been kind of ready to jump off that boat for a year and a half, it feels like already. So I'm, I'm happy that he's now rounding into form and they're going to get to see it and say like, oh, okay, maybe it makes sense to wait a little bit. Maybe it makes sense to give a kid a chance to do yeah, something. Yeah, he's only 22 years old. Ex exactly. So I think that'll benefit Hardy, but I also think we need to be careful not to elevate expectations too high too fast. Yeah, for sure. Because that, that feeds into the lack of patience, which uh, can destroy a young player. I mean, yeah. KP, part of the pressure of that was – he came here with the expectation of being at least all-star level KP or higher playing alongside mm -hmm. Luca. He mm -hmm. could never do it. Aside from like a handful of games here and there, he could not do it. And, you know, it, it led to sort of a fan backlash and uh, frustration with him that I, I think played a lot into the mental side of his struggles. So that's I, why I think, he's better over in Washington because he right. doesn't have to worry about that over there. Because winning doesn't, doesn't matter there. 
Yeah, he doesn't have that pressure. Nobody's tripping on no KP over there. Now he can just be a guy. Now you'll probably see how much of a better player he can be because just like you said, he's just really not built to be the man. He got his mm-hmm. problem. His it, it wasn't his fault. He was seven foot three, and had, and was the unicorn. That wasn't his fault. He had that ability. But just because you have that ability, don't mean you got that makeup on the inside to be the man. Yep. Don't mean you. And he ain't got that makeup. And they were trying to make him like that in New York. He wasn't built for it. He came to Dallas. They we thought we could do it there too. He ain't built for it. That's not him. That's not what he's built for. He's not built to be the man. He's just that size, and he's a good player. Let him just be a good player in the organization. And that's why it was best for him to go over Washington. And I think if they keep him over there for a little bit, I think he'll have a nice little career over there. He could. Yeah, he could have a little bit of a resurgence, and that's good. He won't never be great like that, but he'll no. have he'll be one of those steady be like, okay, I see KP, you know, he'll 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 get you some good steady numbers because now he's under the radar and he don't have that pressure. He can just play basketball because he's not built for that. Yeah, agreed. Uh do you wanna hit a couple cowboy points real quick before uh yeah, we, can we do get that. out of here? Because I know you got another round table you're doing here after this. No, I ain't doing no, I'm not no, oh, you're not, not doing that? No, no, I, I gotta just take care of something like other something. Oh, I'm not doing okay. the round table, dog. Gotcha. I, we did we doing this show. It was the yeah. round table's going on right now. I uh, wasn't doing the round table because I said I gotta do my show with my dog. My bad, my bad. I I knew you had something after. I thought that the round table thing came together. Nah. My bad. Nope. Um yeah. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit of Cowboys here before we wrap up. Let's do it. All right. So uh, we'll treat this sort of like a quick rapid fire on the Cowboys thing. And then uh, mm-hmm. we'll talk just a brief moment about the, the Philly preview. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Cowboys defense and special teams sparked them to another win. They're four and one. They're basically winning in spite of the offense at this point. Obviously, mm-hmm. you open that game. Uh, against the Rams with the defensive touchdown and then a blocked punt. You're going to get a lot of good things in that. So winning by 12, hey, that's great. And you look at what they did after the Rams. Uh, I think, did the Rams tie it up or did they take the lead? Did they take like a 10-9 lead, something like that? Uh, yeah, they took that quick lead. And, yeah. And yeah, then yeah, that's yeah. when it broke um, off the big run. Yeah, so the, the, the one touchdown they got. Cowboys are still the only team uh, who has not allowed more than one touchdown in any given game this season. Uh, the Rams take the lead at that one point with the long Cooper Cup touchdown, 75 yards. And from that moment on, the defense locks it down the rest of the way. Zero points for the Rams offense, four punts, two turnovers, 126 total yards, negative one rushing yards, five negative plays and four sacks allowed. The Cowboys defense just tore them up the rest of the way. And uh, you love to see it like this team's built in a way where even though they've had a backup quarterback they've gone on a four game winning streak and now they're second in the division it sounds like Dak might not be ready just yet like they're preparing to go forward with cooper cup or cooper cup uh cooper rush for this i'll do that too yeah i would um that they're they're ready to do that at this point Yes, of course. Shout out to Armstrong. He had both the sack fumble that Lawrence picked up and ran in for a touchdown and the block. Dude mm-hmm. was huge, huge for that. Yeah, he's um, up. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, this this team is winning because it's to point to an old Jason Garrett thing that he used to beat into the ground, even though it meant nothing coming from him. They're winning in essentially all three phases. You can say like, hey, the offense isn't able to do a whole lot true but they're not having to do a whole lot because they're kicking ass and the other two things particularly the the defense so it's making a huge difference in what they're able to to put forward but the the notion that the offense is in any way um as good now as it's going to be with Dak I I think is ridiculous The, the offense will upgrade it's not like you can say the return of your starting quarterback, your multi-time Pro Bowl quarterback, is going to somehow take away from the defense or the special teams. So I think at the very least, they're going to be just as well equipped, if not better equipped, once they get that. But it's really nice to have something that can actually carry its weight like that for you, let alone carry an offense that has been, shall we say, pedestrian but opportunistic. Yeah, man. Well, you know what? I don't really even care about that because, you know what? I've coached teams, played with teams, I've been on teams, watched teams that we couldn't score 
30 points in the game, but guess what? 17 being the game or we were playing in a basketball game, we weren't scoring the 80 points to 90 points DDP. Mm-hmm. It would be them 45, 50-point games, but y'all wasn't scoring but more than 30. You was only shooting 30% from the field. You was getting frustrated. You turned our ball over a lot. That's what we was built on, built on defense. You know what I'm saying? And that's all the thing I care about, DDP. And that's what I've been screaming ever since I started this podcast, my own, in 2017, was defense. When they drafted Taco Charlton, they were trying to start the defensive thing then because it's been about offense for so long in Dallas. And where has it gotten them? And Dallas didn't start winning those championships again until they got a defense in the 90s. And that's the truth. Dallas started winning those championships, not just because they had Emmitt Smith and Michael Irvin and Troy Troy Eggman. They had Mm -hmm. a defense. And that's what's the reason why, because that defense could always keep them in the game and then they can make that big play. Then Troy Aikman can go back after maybe having a uh, struggling, maybe in the first couple quarters, right, DDP? And that yep. defense keeping them in the game, keeping them in the game. And the next thing you know, boom, long pass Aikman, then they start rolling, doing. And that's what it does for you. Defense travels. Defense can be in the mud. Defense can be in the rain, can be in the snow. It can be anywhere. And when your offense is not playing good, because your offense is not going to score 30 points a game, you can be the highest scoring offense, which Dallas has been um, in a few years. Like they've been like a top scoring offense since mm-hmm. Keller Moore has been the offensive coordinator. What has it gotten you? Now you actually see what is really matter because you can score at any given time. But as you've seen in that Rams game, you just threw some incredible stats out there in that Rams game after they scored that touchdown, what Dallas did afterwards. You get what I'm saying? That's annihilation. They had 23 pressures in the game and like 45 dropbacks. That's like they said it was like 55% of the time Mm -hmm. Stafford was getting pressured. We saw that happen in that Giants game. And the only reason why they ran a lot, Daniel Jones, is because he was running for his life. He had 75 yards rushed because he was running for his life, not because he was doing design runs, because he was running for that life because that pass rush was all over him, just like it was in Matthew Stafford. And that's what you love. There's a lot of pressure. As much as I get on Demarcus Lawrence, he don't get them sacks, but he led the team to six pressures. Last week, he had seven pressures. You get what I'm saying? You see what Michael Parsons is doing. Doris Armstrong Jr., Dante Fowler, Sam Williams is starting to get in uh, some some tick in there. He's he had his highest snap count at and his um since he's been playing um because um Basham has been out. You've seen mm-hmm. what D Law's doing. Um Ohana didn't even play. Carlos Watkins comes in, plays a very solid game. Um, you've seen uh Gallimore. Just I love hey, we got to give shout outs to that defensive line coach as long along with Dan Quinn, the defensive line coach over there that he brought in himself. And we're like, who is this guy? He's done a hell of a job over there. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, the, the defensive front has Osa, been sensational. Osa too. My fault. I forgot yeah. about Osa. <laughs> yeah. The the defensive front has been unreal. Um, we talk about pro football focus. They charted out um the performance of defensive fronts and you know, broke them down in the graph like your elite versus your aggressive below average cowboys were out there by a mile uh, ahead of all other teams based on the metrics of it so you've got six sacks so far this season for parsons he gets two huge sacks in the fourth quarter including one where i thought and it's apropos because this was the rams game uh d-lock made this statement about years ago in the playoffs 2018 talking about snatching the soul from the quarterback i thought that uh stafford looked like his soul just seeped out of his mouth like out of his body and out of body experience after that last sack by uh the sack fumble created by parsons on that because my god he he gets there in a hurry and just wallops him and stafford just looks like he is like uh, man was man was not good but uh parsons six sacks on the year armstrong is now second with four four d law Mm -hmm. has three all three come in that giants game right um uh, then you got Fowler with two, Wilson with one, LVE got one. I don't remember that. Jordan Lewis, Osa, and Neville have one yeah, as well. LVE, so. got, LVE got his uh, last week in that Commanders game. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so they're, the defense is sensational. I mean, they're allowing 14 points a game. Like I said earlier, they have, they're the only team not to allow more than one touchdown to a single opponent yet. They mm-hmm. are they are legit in every sense even even with Diggs getting burned a couple times in that game the 75 yard to, to uh cup like you're not gonna be able to do anything about that man like that just is what it is you you have a guy that is probably one of the he's gonna do of, that to everybody yeah Name you have one of the absolute best 
one of the absolute best receivers right now uh, going right now. That's just going to happen. And the first one, I know it wasn't, uh, it was a guy that hasn't done a whole lot that got him on it. He was right there. He's right there, and he nearly knocks that down. Now, to be right. fair, to be fair if that was a sweet if that's pass, Cheeto, Cheeto Wuzier, were like, ah, he's always there, but he never makes the play. Like, right? Well, you're going to get. Does. That's what I'm saying. You'll give. You'll give because you know Diggs is a receiver. He's a receiver mm-hmm. by nature. When I watch him, he's a receiver playing defensive back. That's what he is to me, and that's yeah. always going to refer to him because he was a dog receiver, and he was made. He was made to switch. So yeah. now that's what he is. He just doesn't have that elite speed. And that's what kind of gets him in trouble because if he doesn't put his hands on the receiver right. and then get past him, he doesn't have that elite makeup speed and they can get past him. And that's what kind of happened in that situation right there because he doesn't yeah. have that elite speed or the elite makeup speed, but he has elite ball skills yeah. and those ball skills can overtrump some things. So like you said, he was right there. And even mm-hmm. when that play against Cooper Cup, show me a corner that's going to stop that. Now, I'm sure there's right. some corners that have been taught from, like, DB guys. But mm-hmm. show me a top corner right now that's stopping Cooper Cup off the line line scrimmage like that. Show me it. Yeah, and I, and I was saying how, yeah, he. I mean, we both said, like, he was right there. He made a play on the ball, nearly breaks up that, that 50-yard bomb um, that gets the Rams going for the first time. He has the most passes defended in the league right now. Trayvon does at nine. Of course. So he's not a guy that's just kind of like we saw last year. We're where it was kind of like <laughs> kick or nothing. Uh, he is, he's making aggressive plays on the ball. He is, you know, he's doing what you want. He's having a good year. Now he acknowledged after the game, like, yeah, Rams got 10. They kind of got 10 off me, but like, it is what it is. We handled our business. He had a good game. Like I, I really appreciate it. He did not get shook by that at all. It didn't seem like it affected his game. He made several good plays after that. Um, and, I, and I know That's he's not a great, great tackler. Zoo. Yeah, I know he's not a great tackler. And he's in, in this case, he's still not. But I am seeing, I feel like, more willingness on his part to at least stick his nose in there, to at least lower his head and kind of blow stuff up a little bit. Am, am I crazy imagining that? Are you no, you're that not crazy. Well? No, you're not crazy imagining now because the thing I love about Trevin Diggs he has a very competitive nature. And yeah. I, that's what I think I really love about Trevin Diggs. He has a very competitive nature. I don't see him really talking a lot, and that's cool. I like that. But he's a competitive guy, and he has a, a, a short memory. That's what you. That's what the greats have. You've seen the greats. I mean, Dion. I mean, there's been passes caught on him. You know what I mean? The greats have had passes caught on them. The greats yep. have had some bad games where they've got kind of torched up a little bit, but they come right back and make amends and do their thing. And just like you said, I mean, he was targeted 10 times. He was eight catches on him. It was like for 120-something yards, but the big ones was Cooper Cup. But if you look at the majority of it, he was down there, and he doesn't run away from any kind of um, challenge. He yeah. he was right there with Cooper Cup. He was following him. He was trailing him. He didn't run from that. He didn't run and say, oh, he's in the slot. I'm not going to stay over there. Knowing damn well he's got more speed in the slot than Trevor Diggs. He could have shot away from that DDP. He, they could have ran in the zone. He could have shot away from it, but he didn't. And that's what I love about him. And everybody he goes against DDP, he never shies away from anybody. So if you're a top guy out there, Trevor mm-hmm. Diggs is going to be right in your face. He ain't scared if you're the fastest guy in the league. He will play against you. He will battle against you. He will go against you all game, and he will fight every single play. And like you said, and I also think he he hears the noise. He heard that noise about first game, and, hey, bro, you got to tackle better like you yeah. was doing it in college. You got to tackle better because, number one, you have the size. You're six foot two. You have the size to be a really good tackler. So yeah. you got to stick your head in there. Sometimes I still see him going with that shoulder. I don't like seeing that. It bothers me when he does that. But I do. I agree with you 100%. I see more willingness for him to say, hey, I got to step up and be a better tackler. But that's him saying, I got to step up and be a better player. And you got to mm-hmm. applaud a player like that. And that's why he's, in my opinion, elite or continue to be elite because he's always trying to hone on his game and get better. And just kind of bouncing off my fault. I didn't mean to be extended. But um, um, just to bounce off Carlos, my dog Carlos Holloway, he would say this is the first time he felt good about that safety play. And I want to have been stellar. I, Man, I feel good about that because I said Malik Hooker is quietly having his best season of his career um, yeah. with the Cowboys. Um, and nobody's really talking about it, but he is. And then you saw what Donovan Wilson went, right? He went crazy. 
J-Ron oh, Curse comes yeah, right. Wilson's been phenomenal. Phenomenal, right? J-Ron Curse comes right back in, gets like 51 snaps. Like, so you see, and then you still got Mukamu. You still had a Marquis. Like, you have a lot of mix and matches that you can do. You still got the Deron Bland, who we all been talking about it. It's it's time to look at that that Jordan Lewis Deron Bland thing and yeah. say, okay, we're playing other rookies or we're playing other young players and we're just throwing them out there and say, let's do it, right? You threw the Tyler Smith out there and said, hey, let's do it. And what has he done? He's responded to it. Tyler Smith has said, okay, he's responded to it so well. You're like, eh, Tyron Smith come back. I don't know if we're going to put him at left tackle. You know what I'm saying? We don't know if we're yeah. going to start him. You know what I'm saying? He's playing that well. I'm thinking that you probably need to – we been talked on a final word yesterday, DDP, and I'm thinking as well. We've seen what we've seen of Jordan Lewis, right? We've mm-hmm. seen Jordan Lewis now. We he saw Jeff. We know what he is now, right? Mm-hmm. It's not going to be any different now. We see the potential in uh, Deron Bland. And this is what I love about him. Short memory as well. Six foot two, good size, can play in the slot, ball skills. He gets his hands on the ball. Came in after an injury from Jordan Lewis, got his first pick just like that. And that wasn't no easy pass. He read that quarterback's eyes, broke on that ball, and had the ball skills to catch it. A lot of those guys dropped those passes, DDP. So you got to. No, that was a great play. You you got to. He's got to play more. And that's a situation we talked about. You can't just swap cornerback in and out. You got to just got to let him play. And I think the more if you just let him play, He's not going to let you down. He's going to get better. So you love Jordan Lewis. You can have him on the bench, or if, if something opens up, maybe you can get a a trade or something, and you could unload and get a good pick. Look at it. But Deron, Plan, Deron Bland has to play more going forward, like right now. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask um, on the the Parsons thing. So he had a an injury flare-up right before the half, a groin. Right. And uh, he says, no question, he'll be playing this week against Philadelphia, which is a huge, obviously. But you saw the rest of the game. He he missed some snaps here and there. You saw him heavily limping at times. But when he was rushing, he looked like his usual self. And he gets two huge sacks in the fourth quarter. The second one, the game was kind of already over at that point. But he does slam the door shut finally, definitively. Like you had a Stafford interception, and then they get the ball back, and then parsons sack fumble uh closes the door for good but uh do you have any concerns there like i look at it and i'm like dude the guy's got killer instinct and that's great he's like no man this is a huge game for us to win a chance to get a big win here uh if i'm physically able to go out there i'm gonna go out there and i'm gonna do it i commend it but i do wonder a little bit like all right, are we playing with fire a little bit are we being a little foolhardy especially in the second situation where the game is up you're up 12 the the game is essentially done not never say never i get it but like i don't know i i feel like it was a little bit risky because if something does happen or he does aggravate it worse then you're in a situation where it's like did we just lose him for several weeks having him in a situation we didn't need him in the game anymore what do you think you want to be honest with you man um i think he's a guy that plays possum um (laughs) I really do. I think now I don't think he lies about his injuries, Hmm. but what I do is I've done this where I've played in a game and I might tweak something, Mm -hmm. um, but it's not so bad where I can't still get at this player. Mm -hmm. I might let him think it's worse than it is. So maybe I can get the advantage and he'll let up a little bit and then I can go hard on him. We've seen it. how People, you can set them up. People like that. And I think that's what he does at times. And I think he I think he might have tweaked that, got that little injury. But I feel like when the whole team is over there reporting, Michael Parsons is hurt. Michael yeah. Parsons is hurt. That gives them a sense of, of a, a, a relief or relaxing. Oh, he hurt. He can't come off that edge again. He he hurt a little bit. And then next thing you know, bam, he come right off that edge. You're like, oh, snap. And then he gets up underneath and then boom, next thing you know, sack, strip, sack, fumble. I think he does that, big dog. Just me. I think he may – he tweaks something here, but he's just a supreme elite athlete. I don't feel like he's – in my opinion, he's like the Lawrence Taylor type athlete. He's those one-in-a-million type athletes that he can play reckless, he can play crazy. He's not going to have those injuries. He's not going to be the, that injury guy because he's just so elite. But I really just feel like he plays possum with some of these guys 
and saying, oh, I got a little ankle injury. I'm coming out there. Jim Brown mm-hmm. used to do it. He used to get up slow, act like he would get, be hurt after you hit him. And then the next play, they thought he they hurt him. And the next play, boom, he'd break off a 65-yarder touchdown. They're like, damn, I thought he was hurt He because he was getting up slow. I think Michael does that too, just me. Yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, let's see. the. I'm trying to see, was there anything else on that game that I wanted to touch on? I think that did it for the main points I had for this. I mean, the, the other stuff we kind of already talked about, just riffing off of uh, stuff in the, the chat. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's talk just a, a brief moment here about the, the Philly game here. So you're heading yeah. to Philadelphia against 5-0 and Eagles. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're obviously... They've, they've looked good, but it's another case where it's like they've had a weak start to their schedule. Is that making them out to be a little bit of a paper tiger? I would argue no. Um, I think it was Jeff Cavanaugh had a good stat, um, or maybe it was KT uh, this morning. They were talking about how the Eagles are trouncing teams to such an extent that Jalen Hurts only has an average of like eight passes in the fourth quarter per game right now. Like, he's not having to throw it like at all now no. with the way their offense is built they're they're obviously more lenient on the the running aspect but it's very telling in that case and i think that could play to your advantage as long as your defense is able to hold things in check if they can contain hurts you said daniel jones running for his life it didn't affect the outcome of the game but he was able to do some things and run for a bunch of first downs I wonder if you're going to have any similar difficulties with Hertz. Hertz, when blitzed this year, has been very, very gettable, like a little over 50% completion. Uh, when he's not blitzed, though, he's been fantastic. So I think if you can keep pressure on him and you can find a way to kind of spy him a little bit, bottle him up, then I think you put yourself in a situation where Philadelphia hasn't had to go toe-to-toe for a slugfest yet this year. Like, what was the? They pulled away late in the last game that they had against uh, the Cardinals. That's the only one they've had, and it really took a Cardinals blunder there by Kyler, two of them arguably, for that to happen. But I think Philadelphia is susceptible in this case. I don't. I don't think they've had to win a lot of slugfests in the fourth quarter where Hertz is having to throw the ball around and make a lot of things happen. So. From that stance, I, I think there's an opportunity here, although I'm a little less confident if you got Rush running your offense because I don't know how many points your offense puts up into Philadelphia. Yeah, I think that's the only thing on, on me is uh, the Kellen Rush thing. Um, I, I think the, he's the guy, in my opinion, DDP that's, is, is the key. Um, I know about the defense. I, I just feel like the defense is going to be there. I heard what you're saying about the spy, and I agree with you. They 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 did it to perfection last year, and they and they, and they bottled up Hurts. You know what I'm saying? So yep. I feel like Dan Quinn has a plan to get after Hurts. That's why he's doing his things he's doing. And we have more players than we had last year. They got they they up their players. You get what I'm saying? Everybody's talking mm-hmm. about how they up their players. Well, Dallas up their players as far as that's a year, another year in the system. Osa Oga Dazu, we didn't mention all those players. Those guys is another year in the same system, and they're a year better, and we can see it, right? We saw the inklings of it last year because it was a beginning. It was a, a baby. It was in baby stages. Now yeah. it's being birthed, and you're seeing the birthing of this defense, right? So now, even though they have added and they have gotten better on offense, Dallas has gotten better on defense. So mm-hmm. I feel like they're going to be up to the challenge. They're going to be able to have that spy, and they're – that that's the key though, DDP. Jalen Hurts is going to run that ball. Okay, that's what he does. He's a run yeah. pass quarterback. He's a pass run run pass. That's what he does. So they are going to have to bottle him up because he was the leading rusher, I believe, in the last game yep. uh, that they played. So they're going to have to bottle him up if they can do that, like you said, and make him make those decisive throws. I still need to see that. Everybody's saying it's like people in the media from Philly. See, he didn't do that last year. It's almost like they got they got to punt. They got to tell themselves that he's this better throwing quarterback. You feel me? But as I see, he still only has four throwing touchdowns, three in one game against the commanders. You get what I mean? All the other games has been scoreless in throwing and that's Mm -hmm. okay. You can run it in, but we bottle up that run. Then let me see you make those throws. Okay. Because we got a good secondary that can D match up against your receivers. We got a front line that can match up with your offensive line. So it's really got to be to me, Cooper rush, 
making some big throws. Um, and I need to see Tony Pollard get more discontinued to be involved in this DDP when he touches yeah. the rock. When he gets about 12 carries in the game, uh, 12 to 18 touches, Dallas mm-hmm. wins. Generally, yeah. Yeah, well, on, uh, on the Hurts thing, like, when did he even become like a, a capable passing quarterback? Oklahoma? Like, we're going back, what, four years? Like, that's that's not a ton of time to really have developed into like an assassin of a passer. And I'm And I'm not saying he'll ever be one of those. I'm just saying like, the notion that oh he's figured it out now and look how much better he is as a, as a passer he can he can but make some nice throws no doubt but the consistency hasn't he been doesn't there. he doesn't make he doesn't it, cart, yeah he doesn't carve you up through the air what he does is he brings a very capable run first style right um and he's a good leader like his intangibles yes. are off the charts I, I actually really like his character. It's like Dak um, Prescott. Yes. Yeah. Except they. That's what I are, compared him to. They're more aggressive with running him though than uh, than Dallas was. Dallas. He's he's a better athlete. Than than, he's better yeah. athlete than Dak though. Yeah. That's why he can run a ball. See, listen. When I I told this to uh, my guy Joe Castro, who 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 does the Philly podcast, when mm-hmm. they got Jalen Hurts, I said he's like Dak. He's like y'all's Dak Prescott. How they're gonna treat him is how they're gonna treat Dak in Dallas. And that's mm-hmm. how they're doing. Look how they treat him. They treat him the same way because they don't trust. They don't believe he's a th- great throwing quarterback. They mm-hmm. don't trust. They don't believe it. So that's why they're trying to tell themselves this year. Oh, see, did you see that throw by Jalen Hurts? Oh, he's throwing that ball now. No, he's yeah. not. He, he's not. He can make a throw here and there, but he can't consistently do it. No, mm-hmm. he can't. I don't care what anybody can tells me. No, he can't consistently do it. Now he can make one of the throws where he's running him. You like, damn, did you see that? Yeah, throw? he's got some some real nice ones he can break oh, out. Oh, he now got and some then. nice ones. But like you just said, every now and then. So I'm not fearing him yet in that passing game. So mm-hmm. that's why Dallas needs to bottle him up as far as where he can't get loose and run a little bit because that's when he gets dangerous. When he can get her out in that pocket and that play breaks down. That's when the hell Jalen Hurts is really dangerous, can really hurt your ass. So yeah. that's if they can stop him in that aspect like they've been doing, Dallas has. They've been bottling him up in that run game. They've been winning, right? Because yeah. he ain't been running. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, with Jones, I, I mentioned earlier, he got a lot of – he did a lot of damage uh, to them on the ground, but it was kind of like – a by design sort of thing. Like he was running for his life to such an extent. One, he had no other choice Two, I honestly feel like the Cowboys sort of baited it that way. Like, look, we'll live with him running. Cause that mm-hmm. means it's broken down and we can keep contained where, okay, maybe he gets a first down, but he's not going to sustain an entire drive doing that. He's not going to march them down the field and get them into the end zone. He's not going to race 60 yards down the field on us. Like we're not going to let that happen, but that that felt like it was kind of within the confines of the game plan a little bit with Hertz. I think you do have to be a little more cautious. Now he's not going to mm-hmm. like blazing speed take off in, in that sentiment as well, where it's like, Oh, okay. He'll go 60 yards. No, no, no. I don't, I don't think you have to worry about that, but with him, it, it's more kind of built into the framework of what they do. And so I think Dallas is probably taking a different approach in this case um because his primary method of hurting you is is through that so dallas is going to take a different approach and i think they're going to handle it better than they did handling jones as far as containing his rushing i mean look at this this is what i say about uh, Jalen hurts right 17 carries for 90 yards against detroit Mm -hmm. 11 carries for 57 yards 16 carries 38 yards against jacksonville 15 carries, 61 yards. So what does that tell you? He's running the damn ball like almost a running back. Yep. You get what I'm saying? So that's what you need to know. He, that's incorporated. Either he's scrambling out of that pocket and he's going to run, or he's he's going to have designed runs in that game. And I think Dallas, we need to really keep the eye on that as, too, as well, DDP, is that they need to watch for those designed runs that they're going to probably mm-hmm. do with Dan, Jalen Hurts in that game. I really think they're going to try to do some like maybe a, a, a option play with him, fake it, and then him run it. I think they're going to try to get him involved in that running game. And then when Cowboys start really seeping up because he's running that ball, then that's when he's going to hit you with that deep pass. Cowboy, look, 
trust me on this one. I feel it. I feel it deep in my bones. Yeah. No, I, um, I'm really looking forward to this. This feels like, I don't know if it's the first true test. I felt like the Rams game kind of set up where, at least in terms of like having to go on the road, it had yeah, that, that feel, but no like test, the Rams. No. Yeah. But the Rams, like, like you're intimating there, the Rams haven't really been the same Rams this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so going in, I thought like, Oh, maybe this will be a test. But then the more we got closer to it, it was like, mm, okay, maybe not, but you know, there's mm-hmm. still some adversity going on the road. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. So, and they still would have talent. It's not like they yes. didn't, but they're just not, they're yeah. not, and we can all see that they're not the same team. This is your first real challenge. It's not right. just a division rival. It's they a hate loaded, you. loaded team hates your guts. Uh, at their house, the most the most hostile night. fan base. <laughs> I, I think you can, undefeated. You can deal with exactly. Uh, so it's very telling to to say what this team is or is not when they go in and have to do this. That's one of the reasons why part of me did think like I kind of wish Dak was ready, but I also I like this have better. The, I have the big picture view as well, where it's like, okay, don't. We saw what happened last year when they brought him back a little earlier than necessary. They rushed him back. He missed one game because of the calf. They brought him back, even though at the time we were doing a show. I think we talked about saying, like, makes sense to give him, okay, one more game, and then you get two weak teams after that. You can get him back on track then. You You should have to let – you should have to take – Yeah, I think it was Arizona was the next game. And they – or no. No, I'm talking about this year. My bad. No, I know. I'm I'm, – I'm talking last year on the DAC front. Um, it was Denver, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was bad. Uh, and DAC never really got situated right after that again. So um, definitely something that part of me says like, okay, I wish I had DAC available here, but at the very least, I want to be certain he is a hundred percent. He is good to go. And I think that makes sense if you give them this. Like, if you give them this one more game, you've already gotten more out of Rush than you could have possibly expected. So even if you go to Philadelphia, it's a game you're expected to lose. If you do, no one's going to say, like, that's a bad loss. They're just going to say, like, yeah, you had your backup quarterback in an an impossible situation. He already gave you more than you could have hoped for. It is what it is. Like, it, it makes sense doing that, but... In the in the immediate moment, just wanting to beat Philadelphia in Philadelphia and just be like, man, shut up. You're not all that. You haven't done shit yet. As much as you want to say that in the immediate, it's kind of like, nah, think big picture. It probably is best to give Dak another week at least. See, here's the thing, man. I hear people talking about, I hear all these Philly fans say, oh, y'all fraudulent 4 on one you know, I was saying the Giants were fraudulent because they hadn't beat nobody. They had beat two. They had played two teams that hadn't won mm-hmm. a game, and when they when they played Dallas, right? They upset Green Bay, so that made me think a little bit. But I still need to see more from them uh, because they don't have, to me, great talent. But they 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 helped that defense, and then Kayvon um, coming back uh, has really helped him. He's yeah. gonna be a good player over there. Um, but you know, they're young over there and they're fighting. You know what I'm saying? Um, Leonard Williams is pretty good, but. Oh, what I'm saying is this. This is not a fraudulent 4 one because nobody's pumping up this offense. It will. If you're talking about Dallas right now, the first thing you're saying is why is Dallas good? The defense. Yeah. Okay? And defense, you can say a team is good because you got a good-ass defense. We understand what this team is. Nobody's jumping up there and saying this offense is a leader or anything like that. You're saying mm-hmm. you're winning with a backup quarterback, ball control, uh, offense, um, no, no turnovers. Um, keeping your quarterback upright, only giving up nine sacks total on the season. I think they're only giving up like three or four. Uh, I mean, he got like three last game, but I think he's only given up like yeah. five sacks in those starts. Um, right. So that's been very good. And like you said, that defense has only given up 14 points a game. So mm-hmm. this isn't a fraudulent. This, this defense is winning the games for you. So to me, I'm not even tripping off this game because, as you said, you got Cooper Rush, who's not a starting quarterback. He's a backup for real. And that's what he is. So you're not even you. You go in there thinking we ain't got nothing to lose. You know what I'm saying? We're yeah. playing with house money. We got a backup quarterback. We're playing on house money. If anything, y'all can't lose. The pressure is on y'all because y'all are undefeated. It's in y'all's house. Y'all have this super team, and you're supposed to beat Dallas with this backup. So mm-hmm. if you guys lose, 
who's really the frauds. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't know how much pressure that adds to them, but it'd be effing great if they found a way to to fall on their face. Like if Dallas's defense just punches them square in the mouth, there goes the yeah, first game, be... or the first light. If uh, if the yeah. Dallas defense just punches them in the mouth, and then the offense, even in the Dallas offense, even in a very ho hum game as they've been doing, still gets enough out of it. And you know the Rams game, you won by twelve. You produced what nine points out of your defense and special teams because they had the PAT block. So nine nine of those twelve points and the differential came from not even your offense. That's that's telling. Um, so yeah, that's you don't have to get a lot, but if your defense is able to dominate and control the game, then you're set. You're going to be in any game you want. It's just a matter of can they hold up and can they contain things. At this point, I'm not betting against the Cowboys defense. It's it's that more than anything else. Yep. There it is. So, I mean cool. I agree. Yep. Well, that's all I had on the Cowboys talk. Looks like we ended up filling up a whole show anyway. So yeah, that's it, good. That's I guess. what happens. But that ain't a bad thing. I ain't mad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I still got time to do what I need to do, so I ain't tripping. Good. So I'll definitely uh had a good time. I love talking that Mavericks, good Cowboys talk, get ready for these Eagles. And as I said before, it's on them, dog. It's on them because, like I said, they, they're the ones that got the pressure, not Dallas. Dallas don't mm-hmm. have the pressure right now. If this was a Dak game, yeah, there'd probably be more pressure on Dallas because of Dak. But if anything, now the pressure is on Jalen Hurts because he's yeah. got to prove and show he's that guy that can make these plays against a good defense because you're going against one of the best defenses in the league right now. So mm-hmm. he's got to show that throwing and all that passing and all those accurate passes that he's throwing. He's got to show that against Dallas because Dan, Dan Quinn going to throw you some looks. So we're going to see. We're going to see. And yep. um, I'm ready. I am too, man. He hadn't had a good game against Dallas yet, so Mm-mm. we'll see if uh, we'll see if that becomes the monkey on his back. Yeah. But, all right, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, good show. We'll be back next week to run it back. If you guys haven't already, be sure to give us a listen on uh, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcast. Positively Relentless is available everywhere. Uh, I think we're going to be doing a Mavericks package giveaway here um here soon i got a bunch of mavericks uh little memorabilia and stuff like that i'm gonna probably do some kind of giveaway uh for something on that i'll figure out the details and we'll get that probably launched with the season starting here soon so be on the lookout for that be sure to follow the podcast on those different platforms leave a review if you would be so kind and uh we will see you guys next week there it is positive and relentless you know what it is check us out Mavs cat Mavs about to say Mavs Cavs Mavs Cowboys all day. Peace. Peace.